All right, we're back, and it's Sermon Plus time. And a lot of you folks are listening to this, which we're super thankful for, and probably not a lot of you listen to it at the very, very beginning. So maybe you listen to it, but you don't even know what it is or why it, why we do it. So just take a quick second and remind us all, what's the point of these things? What's the well, point of Sermon Plus? The point of Sermon so, Plus? Let's get existential. First of all, I, I like the logo. I like the way it looks. No. That's but not it. <laughs> I'll take it from here. <laughs> For me, I think that it is another way to extend the kind of like the information, the influence of the sermon into our lives, hopefully, you know, and just to kind of way remind a little bit of what was said later on in the week. So you can just kind of like keep a little bit of continuity. Um, obviously, there's extra information. There's always more that could be said. That's definitely part of it. Um, and then for me, though, I also think it's great. Just personally, I enjoy – I mean, I would be doing this anyway. Right. I would be talking with exactly. you two about this for the edification of my own soul and, like, maybe clarification or, like, oh, what did you think about this or, you know, like any – and so I think it's good to do that. And so if um, – you know, I think that's part of it too for me. It's just it's it's personally mm-hmm. enriching uh, to discuss it further, and so hopefully that gets communicated uh, to our brothers and sisters who listen as well. So, there's always more to be said on Sunday, yeah. and you can't. Uh, and but there's good stuff to share that mm-hmm. we think would actually be edifying. And so this does provide an opportunity too to go further mm-hmm. into a lot of that. And you're right. Some of my favorite, you know, uh, engagement with sermons and teaching is having like guided discussions or mm-hmm. asking questions afterwards. And so I feel like this is really helpful. It, it also is, I feel like one of the most important things about a sermon is the application. And sometimes that seems a little abstract. Yep. Uh, and so this like forces us, I think, to be even more specific, spend some time mm-hmm. with different life experience and from different perspectives, talk, talk about what does it look like to like live this out or process this in our mm-hmm. actual lives. Not that this applies to too many people listening out there, but when you are speaking in front of a group of four to five hundred people, <laughs> which I don't know if that's a regular practice for people, but you do feel this this tension to be a little bit more broad because there's so many people there. But I feel yeah. a little, I just feel a little bit more freedom in the sermon, plus to be more specific and more direct in yeah. some way. So I think a different format with similar content is helpful for people too. And leading to this discussion on hope, you know, we've had some interaction with people on this theme even the last two days mm-hmm. uh, and we've had a lot of conversation where it's like oh man i bet people are thinking some of these things too so yeah i mean from the perspective of the hearer you know it's always beneficial to hear it again like in a different way yep. and to reflect and to really kind of ask okay well i remember i remember hearing this on sunday maybe i wasn't quite sure what i thought about that or like how to apply it and so to revisit it a day or two later uh, is very helpful. So on that, on that question, you know, what if people, so the topic of hope, the advent of hope, and, you know, you spent some time, you know, the fact that, that hope exists implies that we need to wait and that we experience suffering, we experience difficulty. And so how would you encourage someone to pursue hope when they do feel stuck? You know, maybe they're Maybe they're going over truths in their head or they're kind of doing some of the right things, at least they think, but they can't seem to, to get hopeful. Maybe they're stuck in despair. Maybe they're stuck in sorrow. 
um, you know, is hopes like a feeling they should pursue or like what kind of things should they be regularly doing and practicing to, to pursue? Yeah, we talked about on Sunday, one of, the, one of the definitions we gave is that biblical hope not only desires something good for the future, it expects it to happen. And um, contrasting to, you know, to wishful thinking. Mm-hmm. In the context of Advent, you know, you asked a good question yesterday, Dan, when we were talking, is Advent primarily about the first coming of Jesus or the second coming of Jesus? Mm-hmm. I thought that was a great question, or is it, you know, is it both? Right. Because historically, in the early church, um, it was actually specifically tied to the return of Jesus. The Latin word Adventus, which is where we get Advent from, mm-hmm. is the translation of the Greek word parousia, which in Scripture is refers both to the first coming of Jesus and the second coming. As culture has grabbed a hold of Christmas and it's become this primary celebration, this worldwide thing that people engage in, it also became something that we like celebrate the fact that Jesus has come. Mm-hmm. not just like longing for him to come in the future. And there's parallels between the people who were waiting for Jesus to come before and those who are now where we are waiting for him to come again. And so I say that to say it's like, you know, how do you encourage people to actually grab on to hope, to hope and cultivate it? It has to be tied to the reality of what has happened and the reality of what we know is going to happen because of what happened. Yes, that's good. And who the who's the one making it happen? Mm-hmm. Jesus kept his promises and he came at the right time and Jesus is going to keep his promises. He's given us a down payment with the Holy Spirit where we get to experience first fruits of what's to come. Mm-hmm. And like that reality of the story many times is the only tangible thing you can grab onto mm-hmm. in the bleakness of suffering and and, and waiting. Yeah, I think yeah. if if you're stuck, I mean, kind of to summarize what Dave was saying there, there, you do have to ask yourself what story you're living in. Like if you just can't seem to grab a hold of hope, um, you have to kind of identify, well, what what's causing you the grief? If hope is kind of like – I think maybe it's good to define hope here a little bit in terms of like it is kind of a sense of well-being – it's a sense of for sure. Um, it is something you experience or feel. It, it, it can be tied to emotions, although it's not. It's only not, it's not only an emotion, but it's a state of well-being uh, that you experience based on something that you're confident of in the future. And so this can happen, like if you're having a quote-unquote terrible day at work, whatever that may mean for you, but you know you're going out to dinner with your family at night and you're really looking forward to that, mm, right. then you can experience a sense of well-being in your quote-unquote terrible workday because you have the hope of something in the future. That's the childbirth analogy. That's right. the childbirth it's, it's, it's the groans of childbirth. Right. Yeah. So how do I get a sense of well-being now when I seem to be stuck? I guess could be a way of rephrasing that question. And I would say, well, I think that's an opportunity then to analyze what you're actually hoping in. And you did this in your sermon on Sunday, Dave. There's different kinds of hope. You know, like as a Christian, we live with this certain kind of hope, that Jesus died and rose again, that he has ascended to the Father, and he will return. Like that's our hope. If you find yourself stuck um, in something, I think one of the things that you would you would want to ask yourself then is, is well, wh- which direction is my hope pointed and the compass of my heart, like where is it pointing? And, you know, if it's not, 
you know, on Christ and, and his promises and his, the well-being that he brings, then it might be an opportunity for, like, adjustment, for, like, a, a changing of your mind yeah. or something like that. Yeah. It's like hope is not, like, some static position that you just, like, find yourself in. Right. Right. But it's directional. It's directional. Yeah. Peter says, I love this verse in Peter, actually. He says, set your hope right. fully. Right. That's interesting w- words. Yep. Set your hope, which is a directional thing. Yep. Fully, which is like a quantitative thing, like not just a little bit, like fully on the grace that is being brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I think that word's parousia. Mm-hmm. I'd have to double check it. But anyway, so yeah, I, I think- the coming. Yeah, yeah some the, translations say. Yeah, you're and, right. And so I think, you know, like you said there, it's not a static thing. As followers of Jesus, as apprentices, we're going to be tempted to put our full hope on other things. And we have to, to cultivate and That's say, so no, good. direct our heart and our mind, renew your mind in Christ. We talk a lot about that. And so if you're stuck, I think there is an opportunity for, you know, a change of mind, which can be repentance, which I don't want that to sound like a heavy word there, but like, you know, a reorientation might be necessary. Or sometimes if you feel like you're stuck, like maybe you have stuff that really just needs to be grieved for a long time, which right. also is another thing. Right. You had that quote from... Um, it's necessary. You have to feel it. Yeah, that's what you yeah. said. So that was, was that the Practicing it's the Way? It's from Practicing the Way. Yeah, Practicing yep. the Way, folks. And it's It's like, important to feel all that. There you when go. like life seems unchangeable and the moment seems bleak and there's you feel like you're on a path toward greater pain, grief, or loss, like it, it is important to feel these things in life. Yeah, I remember Dan, you telling me years ago. I think you got it from one of your classes. Like it's okay to be sad, <laughs> right? Like it's it's it is okay to be sad. Jesus was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and sometimes our quote unquote lot in life is something that is to be mourned. And that doesn't mean we can't have any hope. And again, the mm-hmm. question, you know, I, we'd have to go back to the questioner and see what they said. But, like, you know, it might just be not that they can't get a state of well-being in the midst of that, but there's just some regular ongoing hard things that just lead them to sadness. And in that sense, you have to really – you might have more hope than you realize. The fact that you're even hopeful at all means you must have a lot of strength yeah. to, to keep going. And so sometimes in the midst of our – when our circumstances – do not naturally lend themselves to a state of well-being. We need hope, but we need to look at those circumstances and say, well, what actually is going on here? Do I need encouragement or do I need like a push reorientation back. or a pushback? Yeah. 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 And sometimes when as, as fellow <laughs> sufferers, we get those confused with what people need. <laughs> well, here's something you said. It's like um, hope requires f- – there's something transcendent about hope. Yeah, you had a quote on that too, which is that, good. That's what we're talking about. Like in – if you want to have hope in the midst of wherever you are, it, there is a mindset here. You know, this is why what you say about the mindset actually being a practice, mm-hmm. it's so true. Like you've got to fix your eyes and set your mind on something that is not a reality right now, but that you know is going to be a reality later. You have to transcend your present moment mm-hmm. with something that you know to be true. And this is like it's, you know, the other thing is I think it's important to know that you cannot manifest hope. You actually can't create hope. There's nothing inside of you that can produce hope yourself. We talked about Jesus being the object of hope. He personifies hope, and he's the hope giver. So you ask, like, what story are you living in? You have have to recognize that hope isn't something that it's like, okay, well, that you can produce in and of yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. It's like you can't manifest it, but it does exist. It's kind of like what I say about the kingdom of God being a reality. Hope exists. Because Jesus, Jesus just rose from the dead. It is literally just 
there because Jesus is there. And it, it is a matter of us f- having faith, you know, believing in the promises, and the, and the promises are credible. I mean, he did rise from the dead. He did predict the one of my favorite two things that Jesus predicted. He predicted that he would rise from the dead. It's like, okay, the fact that you can call your shot there, pretty impressive. And you also predicted that Jerusalem would be destroyed by the Romans. That's like also a pretty amazing prediction. Yeah. And so when he then tells me that he's going to come again, I'm like, okay, you got credibility. Yeah. And so hope exists, and so I can direct my heart that way and then pray and ask for grace to feel and experience his presence, which he promises to reward, or we can, you know, we can maybe too much just lean. Again, I think we need to lean into our grief sometimes, but again, and I'm not the referee on this, but like sometimes we can lean too far and we, yeah. we, can, we can give way when we shouldn't be. There are at least, uh, so this is where the practices are so helpful because it's like, you know, you talk about the practices, it's like I'm doing what I can to create time and space for God to do what only he can. It's like, okay, if, if I cannot then produce hope, what can I do? Mm-hmm. to cultivate hope or for God to give me hope. Mm-hmm. And so two you know two things that I did not mention on Sunday for the sake of time going back to one of the purposes of sermon plus is like two encouragements for those who are struggling to like grab hold of hope and experience it. One would be just to know that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. I love uh, Psalm 119 says how long O Lord must your servant endure. And so there's language for your experience in the Bible of people whom God has loved and God was faithful to who are saying things like, I feel like I don't have any hope. I feel Mm -hmm. like my hope's run out. Mm -hmm. And there is something very, very powerful to know that you're not the only one going through something. Right. The second thing would be the importance of community. You know, one of the things I wanted to say on Sunday is that hope withers in isolation, but it flourishes in community. Really good. And so if you think about, for example, that childbirth example that Paul gives, He's just ripping it off from Jesus, by the way, mm-hmm. and Mark and John. I was thinking about you know when me and Abby went to <laughs> for any of our kids, but let's just say Penny this last time. It's like, all right, here we go. It's time to go. I'm imagining myself bringing her up. There are the doctors and nurses, and then all of a sudden we just kind of roll her bed into the room. The lights are off. We close the door. And we're like, all right, you got this. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then like she's alone. Right. The here's what's amazing. The pain is actually no different physically. You know, she didn't have any meds, the whole penny thing. So her giving birth in there, a baby's going to come. The pain is going to be the same amount of pain as if other people in the room. Mm -hmm. But it feels a whole lot different when you've got trained nurses and people have experienced it. And her mom is in there and I'm in there supporting. The fact that there was a community and team around her totally changes your experience of pain because you bring in this presence of, Hope and community. Mm-hmm. Community is so essential to hope, mm-hmm. and and which is you know why I think across the board we have to fight against isolating ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's probably some touching Samwise, Lord of the Rings, Frodo, absolutely about hope and something. We'll find it. I don't That's know great. it. <laughs> oh. Just rewatch all the movies. Yeah. Just real quick just tonight. Just a couple minutes. And you'll find that quote. <laughs> just a couple minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah, I think that's true. And, and when you're in despair, you know, the opposite to be true, you tend to curl in on yourself. You know, I mean, even like literally plants do this when they get under yeah. stress. You know yeah. what I mean? They curl in on themselves. So, you know, n- being able to notice those things and notice that tendency and to 
just acknowledge, you know, that the Lord has given me a community of believers, like not in some abstract, but to literally help me have mm-hmm. hope <laughs> yeah. and continue to press toward the object of, of that mm-hmm. hope. This goes back to the, what you said, Mike, which I think is so helpful because some people are intimidated to reach out for community and help, or they feel like, you know, maybe they're introverted, they feel like they've tried that and it hasn't worked, et cetera, stuff like that. It doesn't mean that you need a room full of people, but it. I know for, I mean, I know the leaders in this church, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I know that there are men and women who would come and sit with you and listen and just bear your burdens. But it's interesting because it's like um, people who are in some of those situations, you mentioned, do they need to be encouraged? Do you need to be quiet? Mm-hmm. Do they need pushback? Yeah. All of these things require wisdom. Like some people need to be reminded of the story mm-hmm. and like, hey, no, you're a child of God. And so this doesn't define who you are. Yeah. As we said on Sunday, like the days are numbered. Feel it, experience it, but sometimes you need somebody to be like, "Hey, but we've got to, we've got to move forward here." Yeah. Um, and then sometimes you just need people to in, in, encourage you and, and stuff. So it's super interesting. The dynamics of how you encourage people in those circumstances requires the Holy Spirit for sure. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's where you know, I think it's just really important that we all want to be, we all want to grow, <laughs> become like Jesus, because at some point in our lives. Pastor Fran says this all the time, you're either going to be on either side of this equation. You're either going to be the one in the suffering who needs encouragement or, you know, reorientation, or you're going to be the one who needs to give it. And it's like, are we prepared? Sometimes we might just be coasting through our Christian life and all of a sudden, boom, the circumstance is like, man, I don't feel like I can do anything. And it passes you by and you're not able to handle it like you maybe could or should because you're not like prepared. So that's just a little pastoral encouragement to like keep growing. Wherever you're at, just take the next step, keep growing. But yeah, I mean, I think there's been... um, you know, we tend to, you know, my favorite quote from Luther, a drunk man can fall off the horse two ways. I think there's been a tendency in the church when people are suffering and struggling to, you know, in certain streams of the church to, like, confront them. Like, hey, it'll be okay. Jesus rose from the dead and to give kind of this, like, you know, course correction. And then you do enough of that and eventually people are like, yo, easy, take it easy. Like, these people are hurting. And so it's like, we need to listen to them. And yeah. so it's just like, oh, we just listen, 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 listen. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, speaking the truth in love, you know, the time that that requires, the intentionality that it takes, it's it's not either or of those things. Um, it's kind of like an example. Um, well, Dan, you were actually the one saying it yesterday. An example of like going to the doctor and then him just listening to you or something. Why don't you finish that yeah. out? <laughs> well, yeah, I think what happens a lot of times is maybe you'll – You'll be talking to somebody, you'll be sharing right. something in which you are not very hopeful. You know what I mean? Or, or maybe, you know, you're feeling stressed, you're feeling in despair or whatever. And then that other person has like two choices. You know, they can either right. like feed you the line, you know, God's in control. It's going to be okay. Everything's going to be, be fine. over soon. You're yep. going to make it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Or they just nod and listen. Mm-hmm. And depending on my mood (laughs) in sharing that, one of those things might be extremely comforting. One of those things might be extremely offensive. And so, you know, right, we were talking, you know, if you go to a doctor, I mean, you don't want them just to, you know, force feed you the medicine. Yeah, it's not like you walk in the room, you're like, here are all my (laughs) symptoms, but don't you dare give me. You also just don't want them to listen to you. You you know what I mean? Like you want to be cared for. Like, (laughs) And some medicine is better than others. Yeah. Right. And so I think that, 
you know, sometimes I think we get stuck there. It's like we, we get the community yeah. part, like we get around other people, but maybe, maybe all I'm looking to do is like vent something. Yeah. And maybe all you're looking to do is just solve me and move on. Mm, yeah. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of misconnections. That and, get and, made there. and actually you've mentioned this too. It's like, um, medicine often takes time. Yeah. Like not every, not everything that ails me can be fixed with a pill. Some of it's like lifestyle changes. Or in a day. Yeah. Well, uh, exactly. Lifestyle changes. And Maybe the people that have to hope in the Bible hope for like 50, 30, you know, all sorts of years. Lots yeah. of time, yeah. Well, which is why he says, you know, your experience of hope is going to be one of eager, patient waiting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like this is this is your life. I will uh, – go ahead. No, go ahead. I would say though, I've been thinking about this. I'm like, Dave, are you are you a hopeful person? Like what's your experience? I think I am a very hopeful person. <laughs> I want to, I was like, maybe you shouldn't share this because I don't want it to sound weird, but I think I should share this. Well, there definitely are different personalities that would play into us sensing a state of well-being. Keep going. A hundred percent. Thank you for that caveat. Um, with the exception of two people in this world, everybody has, you know, th- there's somebody who's doing better than you and somebody who's doing worse than you. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere in the world is the person who's doing the best and the person who's doing the worst. But the majority experience is like, so it, regardless of like my socioeconomic situation and my relationships and my like my experience and my opportunities, forget all of that, I still experience suffering. But I would say that like literally hope is a mark of my life for sure. And the reason I share that is because so should yours. Like the Lord doesn't, it's important to feel all these things we mentioned, Mm -hmm. but is not the Lord's will for you to go day by day by day, Mm -hmm. living in despair and fear and anxiety and worry and stress? Like, no, you should have hope. And so sometimes, you know, to help a brother or sister grab a hold of that hope, they need to be reminded of the story Mm -hmm. or they need to be listened to and encouraged. And, you know, maybe there needs to be a time of fasting and praying. Mm -hmm. Maybe there needs to be serious provision and the Lord is revealing a need for you to come and like remove an unnecessary obstacle to people's experience of hope. Sometimes people need to be like, well, here are your symptoms and here's the medicine. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, you're taking the steroid for 10 days. (laughs) You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So it's just, it's all different with each person's situation. But what I would say that, that the encouragement of that is, God desires for you to be a hope-filled person. Mm-hmm. People who live in the kingdom are people who should be experiencing hope. Yeah, and that goes, I mean, that's played out in the fact that it's put in there with these three things remain, faith, right. hope, and love. <laughs> like Those are massive virtues. Yeah. And obviously love is the chief one, yeah. uh, which will be in a couple of weeks for Advent, but like just affirming what you're saying, like that mm-hmm. hope is an it's an because of the story, because Jesus died and rose, is ascended and is returning. That's why hope is an essential part of what it means to be a Christian, which yeah. you know is why there's still hard cases. We don't want to just sit here in a room and you know there's still hard cases where uh, you know people who even profess to be Christians give up their hope. They you know and 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 things happen, and those things can be very hard to work through, but. Uh, nevertheless, hope remains as a central tenet of the gospel story. Yeah. And if you're the one that is sharing that despair, like if you're feeling hopeless and you're communicating that to somebody, you know, I do think the tendency is to say, you know, like my struggle is unique and no one understands it. 
but recognizing that is an isolating sentence. Like yeah. that is that is like a being in community, but still pulling back from community. And so, you know, believe, like believe that believe. other person, believe that that the Lord, the gospel, the community of believers, those are things worth hoping in and trust, you know, trust the other person's words. I mean, that's easy. <laughs> that's easier said than done, but it's, but it's, it's right. I, I think it might, can, I can, <laughs> it is right. And I think it can help a little bit with the, like a practical application of that. I heard this interesting definition of bravery. Like we're in a situation and you don't quote unquote feel brave, but you just pretend to be brave. You're still brave. What's the difference? <laughs> There's no difference from pretending to be brave wow. and being brave in wow. that situation. You just are brave. And so yeah. faith is kind of like that sometimes. I think wow. sometimes, and maybe we as preachers have been part of the problem, like we maybe talk too much about this feeling of faith as opposed to usually in the New Testament when it talks about faith, faith, it's the obedience of faith. Yeah. It's like what you do demonstrates your faith, not necessarily how you feel. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you don't feel like hope, hope exercise it and so that's like what does that mean that means okay you know i I heard a brother you know just the other day who's going through some real difficult things he's just like i'm just going to church don't feel it but i know i'm supposed to be there it's just like and again that's a statement of faith and hope like i'm going and so i'm i'm going to pray even though i don't feel like so there you know we can chastise that like oh you should feel it so that you do it it's like okay maybe you don't, certainly don't want to have empty faith. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So we're not advocating hypocrisy, but there's definitely instances where faith looks like against all of my emotions and against all of my feelings, I know what God has said, and so I'm going to avail myself of this, and I'm going to be brave, or I'm going to have faith. That's the whole mindset thing. I mean, there's so much about this out there, too, that's actually really, really helpful. It, just choose to not be – it's not that simple, you know what I mean? But the whole mindset thing here right. is like a thing. You know, we talk in our home often, like, if I'm, you know, aggravated or upset or annoyed, it's like, well, I can either lean into that mm-hmm. and it's going to make me miserable and everybody around me miserable, or I can just choose not to. Especially mm-hmm. in Christ, because it's, exactly. not, it's, not, it's not simple willpower that's doing it. Right. You know, I'm working on this paper right now that's like, you are dead. So consider yourselves dead. It's fascinating to me. That's all he says. What, so what does that, what does it mean? Direct your heart and mind to the reality that you've transferred from the realm of death to the realm of life and act like it. And then now, again, I will say that process is the thing that happens over your entire lifetime, and it takes time to do that. But you do it one step at a time by acting that out and saying no to sin and yes to hope or no to whatever. So you yeah. talked about with the fasting practice, like the sticky note. Yep. I mean, it might just be simple, something as simple as you've, if you find your mind wandering and just drifting you down a current into apathy and dullness and despair. Something as simple as like out loud over and over, like, no, these things are true. Jesus is with me. Jesus is good. These days will end. I can trust in him. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know he's with me. Like you just rehearse the truths of the good news of Jesus and his kingdom and set your mind on those things. Say them out loud and then like fight against those feelings and thoughts and emotions of hopelessness. Mm. Yeah. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't sound like you were done. Uh, so moving on from this, more Advent this Sunday, what is the next topic? Peace. 
Jesus himself is the Prince of Peace. And uh, I'm really excited. One of my favorite one of my favorite things about the birth narrative is something that Mike brought my attention to years ago. It's uh, you know the the host of angel armies appears in the night sky. People think that's a musical band. That is not a musical band. That's the straight up army of Jesus. There you go. <laughs> that's the army of heaven the, on the hillside of Bethlehem, filling and flooding the sky. Like talk about a scene. Mm-hmm. And rather than oh no. It was like, hey. I was going to say, it doesn't sound very peaceful. We, and they came announcing peace on earth. And there's a beauty of that night being a night of peace and stillness. Which, by the way, that's the same legion of angels that Jesus said, I could call. Right. They are ready at his beck and call to defend him. Yeah. And they, they announce peace. So Jesus is our peace. His kingdom is a kingdom of peace. And so what does it mean for us to experience and live into peace and be peacemakers, especially this Advent? Really looking forward to Sunday. It's going to be great. Great. Mm. Amen. We'll keep digging into your Advent. And Mike's going to lead the doxology. No. that's You said. I said I might one day. (laughs) Easy. I just got real nervous. I need some hope. (laughs) I was going to say, one can only hope. Uh,